You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the Tech Podcast for Technophobes. Joining me this week is Ian Buckley. My name is Christian Corley. We haven't spoken for a few episodes, Ian. How's things with you? Good, yeah. A uh, little bit hot currently. Um, we're, we're, we're on the uh, heat wave that I think the UK might have just had. So it's been consistently over 30 degrees in Germany for a couple of days. And as a northern English person, I am suffering a bit. I'm not going to lie. You have my sympathies. This week, we're going to be looking at a completely different topic to um, temperatures in different European cities. <laughs> um, basically, we're looking at easy online security tips and tricks, things that you can do that don't involve installing loads of expensive software and, you know, just, just checking over your shoulder all the time. Just easy, simple, quote-unquote, soft tips that you can carry out that make using a computer and using the internet safer and more secure there is no need for you to get uh think well i don't i can't do that because i can't afford x y and z because you don't need to spend any money on any of these tips there's no vpns there's no antivirus solutions no firewalls none of that uh no hardware solutions these are just habitual new new habits that you can learn mm-hmm. now before we Absolutely. go in, yeah before we go into that i think it's probably worth going into you, you, i mean you're listening to us you probably listen to the really useful podcast regularly and there is perhaps and you know, i don't want to blow any trumpets here but perhaps a little bit you probably look listening to us for tips and tricks so you must have a little bit of an, an idea that we know what we're talking about but everyone at some point has been hacked or Absolutely, has or yeah. has, has accidentally i don't know received an email from their dad that their dad didn't send that had a uh, worm in it called celebration or birthday or something like that. And you clicked it and you got lots of pretty uh, firework graphics on your computer monitor. And then if, within a few hours, the computer just stopped working very well whatsoever because it was a worm that your dad didn't send. That happened to me. What about you? Absolutely. You had... It happens to everybody. The, the, the one thing about this going into this, um, and I was you know, sort of excited to talk about this because um, the one thing that I think people do not just about computers but about life is they think that these things that happen oh they happen to other people it would never happen to me um but uh, the stories of people getting had by seemingly simple scams on their computers go from the very top to the very bottom engineers who work for government organizations who specialize in security have been got by exactly the same stuff that your grandma got 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 yeah. got by there's a sentence for you mm-hmm. um because as as christian just said as you just said it this is uh, it's context. Context is the, absolutely the most important thing. Because if your dad sends you a link that says celebrate, like you said, you're likely to open it because it's a nice email from your dad. Um, for some of us, um, even more likely, depending on how tech savvy your parents are or aren't, is that you'll get an email or a message from maybe an old friend who you haven't heard from in a while. Um, and you kind of think, oh, that's nice. They're kind of reaching out over Facebook. Um, and the one that got me was a long, a long while after I'd left home, hadn't heard from people for a while. An old friend from home who I hadn't spoke to in a while sent me a Facebook message saying, your mum wanted me to send you this. Uh, now, I should have I should have uh, clocked it because that said your mother and uh, none of my mates from home had ever said mother. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That seems so uh, obvious. And it's kind of, oh, yeah, my mum isn't on Facebook. She probably just asked someone to send it. And I clicked it. And yeah, uh, it, I, a very lengthy un, uh, decontamination of my computer came after that. Oh, dear. 
um, yeah, it's anyone can fall for it. So the last thing you should do is think, ah, oh, I'm going to give this episode a skip because it can never happen to me. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we're going to look at a few things. We're going to look at how to spot a phishing email, um, how to check if links are safe and uh, using special websites, and also ways to make your password more secure. And we'll probably um, drift around those topics and a few others uh, throughout the show. Spotting a phishing email. We get so much spam in our mailboxes these days, and hopefully if you're using a service and you know that there are privacy and advertising uh, complications with using say outlook or gmail or whatever if you're using a provider that like banks on you clicking on stuff it kind of doubles the risk if having mm. you know, advert emails at the top and then another email coming that looks like it might be just another advert but it's actually uh, a phishing email um mm-hmm. but you they usually come from companies that you would have accounts with which makes it more difficult so like amazon paypal your bank they they Phishing emails will look like those. They 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 clone graphics. They 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 take this style, the visual style of the official emails, replicate it, clone it, quote unquote, in order to fool you into clicking the link in the phishing email. Uh, dare I ask, Ian, have you ever been caught by a phishing email? Phishing in our phishing email, um, I can't remember. I don't want to just say blanket no mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, I've been on, uh, I've been using the internet since I was a teenager, and I've had an email address since I was a teenager, and I can't be sure that my old Hotmail account back in the day that I used to connect to MSN Messenger and speak to my school friends, I can't be sure that I didn't get caught by something back then, but no. not in memory. Yeah. Um, there's been times though, even in recent years, when I've come close. Yeah. Um. Because as, as, as I'm sure we're about to go into, one of the ways that these emails um, design themselves to look legitimate is by using branding and using yeah. branded logos and using the aesthetics of companies that you do trust um, to try and impersonate them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, you can click on the link, get taken to the website, and then you get asked to log in with your username and password, and all of a sudden, it's not the real site. It's a clone-spoofed site that username and password is then added to a database that the hackers, spoofers, spammers, whatever you want to call them, they've now got, they've got your credentials for logging into the legitimate website. Now, things like one-time passwords and um, Google Authenticator app codes and things like that for um, uh, two-factor authentication, they can help keep you safe and protected from phishing. But those are things that you should be using anyway. And they're not things you should rely on as a last gasp to stay secure. They should be part of your normal staying secure regime. So I guess that's our first tip, really, is to use Mm. an authenticator app or use two-factor authentication. Spotting a phishing email can be difficult. Um, If you notice, I first... I'm pretty sure I've been caught by a couple of phishing emails quite some time ago. What highlighted, what what alerted me to the fact that these weren't legitimate emails was that in those days, the websites that they took you to weren't as elaborate or authentic looking as they are these days. And mm-hmm. it was like a clear warning sign that actually I'd been led up the garden path. And that was not a legitimate email. These days, it's a lot more difficult to check these things. Um, spotting a phishing email really is a case of looking at the way the email is written official emails will not go out in 99 percent of the 
cases will not go out with typing errors, spelling errors, bad formatting. So if there is a spelling mistake, a grammatical effect, a mistake, a missing apostrophe, anything like that, then it's a good clue that it's not legitimate. Um, yeah. Most websites, you know, PayPal, Amazon, whatever, they won't send you an email with a login link in it. They'll suggest you go and open, just visit the website. And if you're an, a user of that website, if you have an account already, then you like to just go to your browser and visit the website. And the sender's address is always a giveaway because they're never the legitimate domain. So that's also another good clue as to whether that is a phishing email or not. Now, there are various tools you can use to block phishing emails that you might pay for. Some are free. If you're using a web-based email, then you can highlight it as uh, you can alert uh, Gmail or Outlook or whoever that it is a junk email. So that's that's always a good tip to use as well because then that helps other people. Um, now, if you take a look in your spam folder, you will find a hell of a lot of emails Again, if you're using Gmail or Hotmail, uh, or I, said, I was going to say Hotmail then, because I still actually have a Hotmail account, or Hotmail Outlook, whatever. In the spam accounts there, you'll find a ton of uh, junk, and most of these are spam and phishing emails. So they're already doing a good job of keeping you safe and secure from those. But, uh, I mean, if there is any doubt, then this is the time where I think the, the, the key aspect of this week's uh, really useful podcast comes in, which is um, the sites that let you check if a link is safe ian yes have you ever gone to click on a link on a website not so much on a, in an email in a phishing email, but on a website and you just just clicked it and found yourself in some sort of internet hell absolutely um it seems less these days than it used to be it seems like these things happen less than it used to be but um i certainly have had times when i have clicked a link and it has opened a page which has opened up 50 different sub pages yeah and you're not sure what you're trying to get back to and you're not sure where you've headed to and many of these pages are very difficult to close and you can't go back and uh yeah this is uh this is a very typical uh, thing that Partially, it's done for um, advertising, and so as much as it's annoying, partially the, uh, these windows that open up are a million adverts, and that advert money obviously trickles back to whoever made the sites. And those things in and of themselves aren't necessarily dangerous, but um, you, what you want to be careful of is if you click on a link and expect to get somewhere, you're going to enter some personal details, and it redirects you to somewhere that you do not want to be. Um, but yes, in short, I've definitely had that happen to me a bunch of times. Yeah, I remember when you just said that, that 50 cascading adverts popping under yes. or popping over whatever just um had a flashback to the days of um and don't try this at home uh visiting where's sites long yeah. time ago in the wild west days of the internet when it seemed okay to do things like that when really it wasn't and Absolutely, uh, yeah yes. that would that would happen quite regularly and i've just i've just googled where's sites because i kind of forgot that they'd existed uh over the past uh, sort of 10 i mean i've never been anywhere near one in about 10 or 15 years and uh, yet, apparently, they do still exist. Mm. So that's a, uh, gosh, that was a surprise. I, I kind of thought they'd be dead and gone or buried in the depths of the dark web. Yeah, for sure. But no, the uh, the, the 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 whole wares culture is still going strong. Uh, it's just uh, obviously the games had to change somewhat, I believe. But again, this this is exactly the the same situation I was in. Is that as as a young and possibly very naive, well, definitely very naive person. I was uh, uh, under the false pretense that there was uh, piracy and then there was wares. Um, mm. And uh, I, I was just of the right generation where um, 
it sounds really ridiculous, but I was just at the right generation where I understood why it was bad to buy bootleg DVDs off the off the man at the market, but didn't quite understand why it was an issue to download albums online. And I know, <laughs> given the you know, uh, given a few years of growing up and also a few years of the world changing, that must sound utterly ridiculous. But I really wasn't alone. Um, I was of no. that generation where the internet did seem like this big free playground, and that you were able to do stuff and um, without getting in trouble. Yeah. But the very same people who also saw that there were, you know, a large number of people like me who who I would admit was at the time not the most tech savvy. I was on the Internet a lot and I was learning about it, but I certainly didn't have the knowledge that I accumulated over years of use and writing about computers. Yeah, there's a lot of people that realized that if I was clicking on random links to try and get free software, they could insert whatever they wanted into that to try and make it uh, unsecure and to do the early attempts at phishing scams. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's not just that scenario where you need to be aware of the links that you're clicking. Uh, these days, I mean, there, there are modern equivalents, I suppose, of uh, websites throwing you sort of links that you might not want to click, but actually end up clicking. There's, mm. there's those those sites where, you know, you, you get something up on Google News that looks an interesting article or on Facebook or whatever, and then at the bottom there's Remember Jennifer Aniston? See what she looks like now, and all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Fake yeah, those things as well. So, yeah, yeah. Link, sites that let you check if a link is safe. In yes, what have we got? Well, um, I, uh, I I'm, I'll full hands up and just say when we were talking about recording this episode, you mentioned there were uh, uh, sites that helped you check links, and my immediate reaction was, was is there? <laughs> that would be very handy. It's never even occurred to me that there'd be sites that do this. And so I did a bit of reading up before this, mm-hmm. and there are. Um, and it's a really it's it's a really useful thing to have because essentially um, uh, there's various websites you can go to that will let you check URLs. Um, and uh, uh, the first one is a fairly trusted name as well. We have Norton, who are, as if you know anything about computer security, you probably know about Norton. You might have a Norton virus checker installed on your computer. It may have come with your computer even. Um, they have a uh, an extension for uh, Chrome, which will allow you to post any link in it, um, and will let you uh, check if it's um, if it's legit or not. And as well as it being an extension, you can just go to their website. Um, they, uh, it's, uh, uh, part of the Norton website is just a place you can enter any email, uh, any website address. Sorry. Um, I will note if you are going to do that, be very careful to right click and copy an email uh, a website address rather than actually. Um, click the link yeah. <laughs> because you just end up going there anyway. Um, but yes, you can uh, uh, you can check them on Norton Web. And I know there are a number of others, but um, having done a little bit of reading up on it, that was certainly a bit of a revelation to me, actually. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there are a few. There's a scan URL, fish tank, Google Transparency Report, which is another uh, reliable one. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all reliable, but, you know, with a reliable name. There's Virus mm-hmm. Total Safe. P-Safe Defender Lab, mm-hmm. uh, Defender <laughs> being D-F-N-D-R, obviously a kind of a Leonard Skinner take on the word Defender. <laughs> uh, there's URL Void as well. Um, now, all of these you will find in an article called Seven Quick Sites that let you check if a link is safe and make use of. And that link and everything else we talk about in this week's really useful podcast, you'll find in the show notes. Um, now, it was actually my, me, myself, and I, who compiled this list uh, yes. the last time. These have all been uh, checked as of uh, May 2011, so you should find them all reliable. Uh, some of them share information. 
and uh, which is obviously an advantage because it means that uh, you can guarantee that uh, they are more or less work they also some of them take uh, user submitted information and user submitted links for um, further assistance so yeah um, which they then uh, look into in more detail and uh, confirm or deny whether they're good so that's also mm-hmm. useful to know as well i would recommend that you uh check that out if you're concerned about a link then they are the places to go to um it's worth i think just um clarifying one thing here links can be full domain names such as www.makeuseof.com or they can mm-hmm. be shortened urls such as as the example in the article says goo.gl forward slash v47vrx and various different cases there's various link shortening tools out there and while they're useful because for things such as twitter or um, for text messages by reducing the number of characters used for a link when you know like some some internet links can be you know the length of a you know, if you wrote them down, they, they could run to the length of a page of paper. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so shortened URLs are really useful, but they can be used by, um, I was going to say malevolent, but that puts me in mind of sort of the Empire in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> so like, let's say malicious actors to hide destinations that you actually don't want to go to. So it's, it's worth knowing what shortened URLs are, what they're hiding, and that they can be unpacked. And link chatters, can unpack those shortened URLs for you to show you the true destination. So Absolutely, yeah. It goes a little further than that even. I mean, it's harder to do these days, but there was a time um, when uh, browsers were a little bit less secure where it was equally possible to take a full-length looking link um, and have it appear to be the correct link. And when you clicked it, it would uh, uh, it would automatically send you to a different link. So even yeah. if the link isn't shortened, um, it isn't worth, uh, you know, it's it's worth being wary as to where you are clicking that link. Um, I always find a good a good uh, uh, a good thing to follow is that if someone is t- uh, sending you uh, saying, okay, follow this link to go to the products, I don't know, the products page of your bank, um, just just go to your own bank's website the way you normally would and go to the products page. You don't need a link to take you there. Sure. Um, uh, products is a weird. Uh, just just a quick note, just because um, I, 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 a couple of eagle-eared listeners out there might be getting a bit pedantic about it. This article wasn't checked in 2011. It was checked in May 11th, 2021. Yeah, it was just like slip of the tongue there, Christian. Did I? Okay. <laughs> so as of 2011, these links are legit, and I should hope so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the full decade. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's entirely plausible as, as I was contributing to make use of in May 2011. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all highly possible. Yeah. I have to say, I do really like the idea of the of the the empire using phishing scams. Just just the emperor sitting down and just sending a sending a link to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Father's identity. Please click here. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different set of films where the dark side won. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had to raise the money for all the, that uh, military hardware somehow, didn't they? So. Oh, absolutely. The Death Star is all paid for by dodgy Russian adverts. Everyone it's knows got that. It's got to be. Got to be. Scamming members of the Republic. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, yes. And we'll take a moment from our usual podcast proceedings to just remind you that the really useful podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts so we're on apple podcasts we're on spotify we're on google podcasts we're hosted at transistor.fm so you can find us there as well we're also on youtube and of course on makeuseof.com 
Now, however you subscribe to the Really Useful Podcast and listen to us, it would be amazing if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us to find new listeners and take our podcast to ever greater heights. You'll find the link to our Apple Podcast page in the show notes. Thanks a lot. Yeah, let's move on. Because uh, we are looking at soft tips and avoiding particular websites, such as where sites, which, you know, you're not going to Google that because it's it's a rabbit hole of illegality that you don't want to go anywhere near. But then also checking things safely. Also, another soft, easy security tip that can save you a lot of bother later on. Not clicking Mm -hmm. emails from your dad that say celebration.exe. Again, yes, not uh, something you should do. Another good soft tip. Um, but ultimately, the biggest soft tip is probably, and it's not quite what we're going to talk about next in detail, but the, ne- the, the main soft tip really is when, and this comes in whether you're at home or you're at work, is if you're stepping away from your computer, either turn it off or lock the screen. Mm-hmm. You would not believe the number of people that I have come across over the years uh, working in so like hot desking environments, in office environments, in cafes, using their computers, or just go away from their computer and not lock their screen. Yeah, that is just it. It blows my mind how that does not occur to them to be quite a secure, quite quite a serious lapse of security. And part of that, I mean, like on Windows, you can lock your screen by pressing the Windows button and the L button. Mm-hmm. It's locked. Um, we, we, you know, if you're using an iPad or an Android tablet, you can just press the power button to turn the screen off, and then it's locked. It presume, assuming, of course, that you've got security set up for you know, a login password, and you pretty much should do these days. I think it's part of the entire setup procedure. But once that's out of the way, having a secure password is really, really important. Now, before we go further along this line, um, it's quite convenient actually that i got that date wrong earlier because before i worked for make use of i worked for a software company in software support and prior to that i worked in the uk's nhs in it and a lot of that work was um passwords and security there was a large number of people whose password and you know we're going back a bit we're going back for sort of 15 years or so but it's kind of still the case now where people don't have secure passwords people yeah in positions where they were facing patients, secretaries, administrators, those types of people, were operating with very easy-to-guess passwords. Clinicians who were taking patients into their offices, uh, into, into, into their, uh, that's not the right word, is it? Clinics, um, special rooms, um, again, using very non-secure passwords. And, you know, it is a work environment, and there is a need to get on with things and having a, an easy to remember password for you might seem like the best option but holistically speaking it's a really poor idea to have an easy to remember password now recent research has shown that millions use their pets names as passwords because they're easy to remember but mm-hmm. you know that's not particularly safe because that information could be picked up from a social network but there are ways to use the same name in a secure way aren't there Ian? Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, so one thing that is worth saying just before we go on is that everything that comes to everything that comes to uh, this talk about passwords hangs on the, the last point that was made, which is that if you leave your computer open, unlocked in a in a public space, um, you are none of this is going to help you at no, the end of the day, no, really. No. Um, because if, unless you type your password in cold every single time and use no password managers or all that kind of stuff, then all the, everything you do is going to be easily bypassable. Um, but you can actually, if you want to, for example, use your uh, uh, pet's name for a password, you, there are ways that you can make it a little bit easier. So uh, let's say you have a, a pet's name, which is Charlie, for example. You know, your dog's called Charlie or whatever, and you want to use that. If you just have Charlie as your password, it's going to be fairly easy to guess. But if you, for example, say, think to yourself, all right, well, what if uh, a few of those letters are uppercase and a few of them are lowercase? That might be a little bit harder for someone to guess. What if you change one of the letters to a number that looks sort of similar? I mean, you know, in, in some internet speak, people change E's for fours and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, adding some punctuation and a couple of numbers very quickly, just a couple of little changes. So instead of it just being Charlie, it's like, say, exclamation mark, small c, capital H, A, R, capital L I four, and then a question mark at the end. That is an order of magnitude harder for someone to crack with a password cracker or just guess in general than just your uh, pet's name. Um, I would argue as someone who's not paranoid, but just a little bit, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm uh, uh, a little, maybe I am a little bit paranoid. I've <laughs> written about things like this for years, but um, I wouldn't even necessarily bother with that. Um, there are ways you can get around personal information being used as passwords and turned into new mnemonics and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I personally think that password generators and uh, services that will save passwords, and I say services, this isn't something you have to pay for. Google, Google Chrome will do it for you. Um, I tend to find that a far better idea uh, than actually making your own password from your pet's name. But that's just my personal opinion, of course. Mm. I use a kind of combination of several techniques. Uh, I use a password manager. I've recently moved from LastPass because they turned evil. And uh, if you don't know, they, they started uh, limiting how many devices you could use it on uh, unless you're using um, paying for the privilege, which is fine. You know, yeah, yeah. I have no problem with the free market, but it's not a service I want to pay for when I've been getting it for free previously. So I've gone to yeah. the open source tool, KeePass, uh, which mm -hmm. I'm finding an adequate replacement. Not quite as integrated and streamlined and effortless to use, but nonetheless, it's free mm -hmm. and it's open source. So there's there's that aspect to it, which is pleasing. And it, it works with pretty much everything. And there are the versions that integrate on different platforms. So that's good for me. So I, I do use a password manager. I also use various combinations. I've used some of the techniques that uh, Ian's just described for my passwords. Mm -hmm. But I also use nonsense phrases that I can remember. Absolutely, yeah. So um, I'd love to share them with you because they are just meaninglessly silly and mm -hmm. in some cases quite rude. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'm not going to because obviously... <laughs> why would obviously I? they're your password. You don't yeah. really want to do that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly, yeah. So um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, there's an example here, um, just to uh, reiterate what Ian said. There's an example in the article um, Baggins the Ginger Ninja becomes B at GG1NS, capital T-H-E, capital G-1-N-G-E-R, capital N-1-N-J, at symbol again. And uh, I mean, as long as the, I mean, these are work, these will work and these are really secure, but there is a shortcoming. Some 
and I say some websites, most of them are on board with unusual password formats, but there are some websites still out there that may take offense at the length of the password or some of the characters. So you may have to be a little more flexible with some of the things that you put in there. But generally speaking, these are good tips. And again, you'll find them in the show notes. Absolutely. We have discussed various soft security tips, locking your computer, a hotspot phishing email, using your pat, pet's name, or Pat, if you know a Pat, use their name. Um, <laughs> as to, if you've got a different name for them, if you've got a pet name for Pat, uh, to make your password more secure, and uh, link checkers. Really, I think that's generally it, but there is one other thing which we didn't kind of discuss pre, prior to uh, organizing this podcast, which it just occurred to me. Oversharing on social networks can be, and not just oversharing, but um, overfriending as well. That that's kind of an easy to avoid thing, isn't it? That could uh, make your life a lot more secure. Absolutely, and in fact, the one thing going into this podcast that I thought that would, if if there was one thing I would want people to take away, at least from my part in this podcast, it would be um, that these days. Um, you know, both me and Christian have been on the internet and writing about it for quite some time. So yeah, we're talking about getting email scams and all this kind of stuff. But these days you are absolutely 100% more likely to get scammed on a social network by someone you know, or you know vaguely, and more often than not by someone who maybe you have some interest in. Um, because, and you, you know, you have a link set sent through and you want to see this thing now because it's maybe, uh, you feel a little bit socially pressured to be in on things or whatever. Um, I would argue that the two things that you should always bear in mind, no matter what social network we're talking about, this is true for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything is that, um, if someone is asking to be friends with you, check if they are friends with you and let them be your friend only if you know them. If you don't want to do that and you do want to add people, do bear in mind that um, if you friend somebody, then maybe they will be able to start messaging you and you have no idea who they really are. Um, and the second and probably the most important thing is if anybody sends you a link on social media for any reason, it's always worth just firing a quick message back saying like, uh, you know, hey, did you mean to send that link or putting it into a link checker or something like that before just instantly clicking on something because the amount of time people are sent through a thing that just says, Hey, I just found this. It's amazing. And then you click on the link and it asks you to enter your email address. And these days a bunch of sites want you to sign in Yeah. before you know it, you're done. Yeah. So a general rule is unless you know for sure that you're expecting something, you don't need to necessarily open everything immediately. I think I can't say any clearer than that. Just be very careful what you open on social media because these days that's how they are getting people 100%. I think that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast. Great tip from Ian at the end there. We'd like to thank you for listening. You've been listening to the really useful podcast from makeuseof.com. It's goodbye from us. (laughs) 